Hi, I'm Kristen. And I'm Mike. And we're lost in the Sunnydale stats. This is the Sunnydale Stacks, where every other week we immerse ourselves in the world of Sunnydale, California, and review two episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This week we're dusting off when she was bad and some assembly required. But before we get started on this week's episodes, I'd like to introduce Kara. Hi. Hi, Kara. Welcome to the show. We're super excited to have you here. So as a way of like introducing yourself to our listeners, can you tell us how you became a Buffy fan? Um, I actually never watched Buffy in its original incarnation. I got really bored one summer while I was in college and rented all of them and watched all of them in that summer and then found a lifelong joy. <laughs> nice. I so guess. did you watch them like in order? Yeah. Oh. Sweet. Yeah, it was really cool. You're like my white elephant. Well, and then yeah. it was nice because I could watch them in order and then also rewatch the ones that I particularly loved. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like the musical episode, things yeah. like that. Yes, yeah. definitely. Um, so why do you think that the show spoke to you? I was kind of an outsider in high school, maybe a certain element of that. You know, my favorite book was The Outsiders, which is like <laughs> very, literally very literal, yeah, <laughs> things of that nature. So I think probably that, the the humor, I love everything Joss Whedon does, so that made it easy. You know, badass female protagonist, that never yeah. hurts. Those are probably, you know, the romance and everything was nice, although I was really pro-Spike, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. You're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> um, I accidentally broke... One of the arms off my spike statue. <gasps> I know. So that has long since gone, but I did used to have a spike statue. Nice. Could have been an alternate universe spike statue. Like he lost an arm in a fight and now that he's alternate The darkest timeline. <laughs> <laughs> now let's head into the Sunnydale stacks and open the books on when she was bad. Xander and Willow are walking home from getting ice cream, guessing movie quotes. I love the fake out that starts this, where they're in a cemetery and it looks like Buffy's going to be like fighting a vampire like every other episode, and then it just pans right by it. Yep. It's like a typical, very Joss Whedon visual thing. Can we talk about this really cute moment with Xander and Willow? Oh my god. It's so cute. My notes say, almost kiss. Whoa. Ellipses. <laughs> Both times I watched it for this, and I think the the first couple times I've seen it, like I I cannot I have to verbally say just kiss her, just yeah, kiss her. just do it. I mean, there's so Ugh. there's such a long pause where he's just like so close to her mm-hmm. face, giving time to that vampire to show up behind her. But oh man, they're so close for so oh. long. It's like twelve years of tension, it's, just yeah. right there. It's so much. Uh, and then of course it's ruined by a vampire. Yeah, because vampires have to ruin everything. Because you know I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say something bold. I think vampires are assholes. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Vampire asshole moment. <laughs> Can I skip back for a sec, though, too? Yes. If he had actually licked the ice cream off of her nose, I would have been really weirded out about the situation <laughs> no. and not thought it was cute. <laughs> that is different. That would be very far <laughs> I know we haven't kissed. We're best friends, but I'm going to lick you. That's, yeah, it's that's like, my first move. You're not three. That's not a cool thing to do. <laughs> I don't think it's cool to do with your brain. <laughs> no. like you're a puppy. If you're a puppy, yeah. I mean, cool. I guess maybe it's more just expected if you're three. Yeah, yeah. like you can just Acceptable. do weird You can just like 
running down the street naked and people are like, ah, oh, it's some three-year-old. I used to work in a preschool and I had a three-year-old pee on another three-year-old <laughs> standing in the way of the urinal. So three-year-olds get away with a lot of stuff. That three-year-old grew up to become Christian Grey. <laughs> oh, exactly. no. Oh, gross. I don't want to know how you know what goes on in that book. <laughs> I don't know if that goes I'm just assuming. <laughs> True. So Buffy's been gone all summer and it's been a boring, monster-free vacation. But thankfully she shows up when the vampire shows up. No, it was just... Okay. Yeah, that was... That was just, ah. Uh, that was usual. Cute new haircut. Cute. Might as well put yeah. it out there. Yes. Much less, like, 90s, getting more yeah. into, like, yeah. a timeless look. Nerdy research moment. Uh, the reason why she got that haircut is because she was filming Scream 2. Oh, nice. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I also... I think there's uh, there's a big hair change in season three mm. that I've heard was due to Simply Irresistible. Oh, okay. Because she had brown hair and simply irresistible and had to, like, fry it to get it back to Buffy Blonde. Huh. Mm. But thank you, Scream 2. We appreciate <laughs> it. I think that this fight scene is is very different from season one, I think. Yeah. It's right away much better. Production value is better. Cinematography is better. It's kind of like immediately we're shifting away from the campy datedness of season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also like that we don't see her face at first, that it's mm-hmm. just a, like you know it's coming, and so you're so excited when she finally pops her head up. It's a great hero reveal for her. Yes. So Buffy's dad is dropping off her luggage. He tells Joyce that Buffy was distant all summer. I think the only reason this scene is noteworthy is because it has Hank Severs in it. Yeah, yeah this was going to say we never see her dad, and suddenly he's there briefly. Mm-hmm. I know. We So the last time he was here for Nightmares, oh. we were confused as to like how often he's actually in the show. So I looked yeah. it up this time. Mm-hmm. He has five appearances. There's Nightmares, this one, Becoming Part 1, where we see him like in a flashback, mm-hmm. The Weight of the World, and Normal Again, which I always forget about Normal Again. <laughs> in doing research for this, I found out that this is the last like regular appearance of Hank Summers, because all the other ones are either flashbacks or... Dreams or hallucinations. This mm. last time you see him as like oh. just a regular dude in the timeline of the story. Yeah, talking about buying his daughter shoes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Which, hey, my dad never bought me shoes. Yeah, no. My dad <laughs> took me shoes. shopping for a homecoming dress once and it was really weird. That'd be Ooh. weird. Yeah. My mom was finishing school so she wasn't there and he took me and it was really weird. <laughs> it just looks good. He just had so many opinions. I thought it was really oh, that's was weird. That's the opposite. Okay. like, I don't know if I like that one. I ended up going with this. I feel like Buffy would have worn a crazy 90s, like, kimono-style dress. Oh, yeah. Purple. Yeah. I remember those. That's interesting. I would have expected the opposite. Yeah. I remember showing my dad my freshman year homecoming dance. Home, no. <laughs> my freshman year homecoming dress and him just being like, um, I feel like you're trying to look sexy and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so Snyder is giving Giles a quote-unquote pep talk. Comparing the first day of school to locust swarming. I love how he's talking about how every time a pretty girl walks by, the boys turn into gibbering fools. And then Jenny walks by. And Giles turns into a gibbering fool. I I think this might be my favorite couple because, um, spoilers, even though it doesn't end up for the best in the long run, it's like the one of the only couples that I could see actually working. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm a hundred years older than you. Except that she's a gypsy and she's lying about it. Yeah, but I mean, gypsy is better than vampire. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I'm not saying they're the same. I'm just saying it's <laughs> there's still there's problems there. Yeah, I, I feel like they they could have been resolved if things. But had I mean, gone I feel like gypsy is kind of like you know coming out as a 
super conservative. Like, it's something mm-hmm. you could yes. probably work around, maybe. Sure. <laughs> Just kind sure. of a weird, different lifestyle. And they do, in season two, like, you can... Of course, justice is tragically to break all of our hearts. Mm-hmm. They start to resolve and, like, be friends again, and that's when... Well, and also, that he's a watcher, so he's got his own baggage that mm-hmm. he's that's bringing That's when he's table. Ripper. Yeah. Like... Yeah. Oh. He's, yeah, like he's got some dark shit, too. That's true. So they run into the gang in the hallway... Giles explains that although the Hellmouth is closed, it's still there, so they're going to continue to get vampires and such. It still doesn't explain why they didn't have vampires all summer. Yeah, I guess they were just, like, all so bummed out that the Master died. Yeah, they were just, like, like, reconvening in secret. Let's just just take it easy. Let's let's catch up on some shows. (laughs) I was about to say they were all wearing black and in mourning, but I think they usually wear black anyways. Yeah, unless they're just, like, disco guys. That's true. We have some data. Well, my one guy was saying they all lost the night, so maybe it was just, I mean, the skipping had a bit, but maybe they just felt like it wasn't theirs for a bit. They had Mm. to get their stuff together. Xander and Willow took bets to see how long before Giles had to consult his books on something, which I love. That was cute, yeah. I also love the, like, hey, G-Man, don't ever call me that. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Buffy trains with Giles after school. She's clearly not lost her touch as she flips around the library and beats the hell out of a dummy. Mm-hmm. That's a dummy, right? It was a weird thing. Yeah, I would say a dummy is a good term for yeah, it. Yeah, I, I know there's some like official term for it. I've seen it in other things. I think they use it in the show. I thought the dummy breaking was yeah. pretty cool. I liked the ultra yeah. fast mm-hmm. punch. That was good. And I like the subtle kind of distant acting that Sarah Michelle Geller is doing in the earlier parts where you can tell something's wrong, but it's not super obvious what's going on. Yeah, I feel like even if I was one of her friends, I wouldn't at this point be like, hey, what's your deal, bitch? It's like, yeah. you're you're kind of weird today. Yeah. I also feel like she's very obviously upset with Giles over mm. the, things that happened at the end of last season. And so she's taking out a lot of that aggression and the whole punching him into the chair thing. And- Absolutely. So she's, she's determined for whatever comes next. Seems to be her big motivation during this training. Uh, which is going to be the anointed one. And this vampire preacher dude who wanted to bring back the master... I just want to point out that I think that the anointed is the scrappy duo of vampires. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, yes. I hate him, and I just, I'm not afraid of him. No. And there's nothing that he could do that would cause me to be afraid of him. I feel like I could just slap him and he'd, you know, dust. Yeah. That would be all that it took. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's kind of what it, I mean, yeah. essentially he gets shoved and then. Yeah, that's then it. dust. Yeah. Because yeah, he's I, a wienery vampire. Yeah, his only power is like other vampires listen to him. But it's not like he's getting really great vampires. They're, yeah. As this episode shows, kind of crappy. Yeah. They're not good at their jobs. Yes. Yes. His other power is clammy demon child hands. Yeah, yeah, that's. <laughs> Uh, and I do like this this setting, just the generic vampire warehouse for all your vampire needs. <laughs> I mean, it's never really explained yes. what this is, where this is, why they can just like have all this equipment set up. I mean, they could t- still technically be in the church, right? One would think. The old yeah. underground church yeah. is still there. They didn't yeah. have to move. Uh, maybe they just I guess they destroyed the set yeah. or something. I don't know. Um, that guy, the preacher guy's name is Absalom, right? Mm-hmm. Am I right on that? That guy was annoying, too. I don't like yeah. the little silly riddles he talks in. I mean, I don't know. I like my spike vampires. I think that's just, yeah. you know, yeah. straight shooting. Tell it like it is. I also feel like for a species that is, I'm going to say, allergic to crosses, you're going to be like a preacher dude? That's yeah, weird. It doesn't make a lot of sense. He should hook up with pork and beans guy. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be best of friends. Yes. I feel like they're almost trying to do a thing of like, this guy's got so much distinct personality, he's going to be the big bad, because you don't know who the big bad's going to be. Yeah. But I don't feel like they do enough to make it worthwhile, so it's just like, this is a weird little character who dies really quickly. Yeah. 
I, I, you're right. I think it kind of was supposed to be a fake out. But mm-hmm. in doing some research too, I found out that the anointed was supposed to originally be the big bad in season three. But then mm. everybody was like, Spike is so much better than that. Like, why would we even? No, we're not doing yeah. it. So they just like did away with him. You mean season two? Yes. Let me go okay. back and okay. I, see. I always thought it was that was a purposeful fake out. Like we're gonna mm. make it think like the anointed was a thing. Like right after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I also think about him being like later. Yeah. No, definitely season two. I screwed that up. Entirely. Thank God, because I'm just holding my breath till it gets here. First podcast, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I think it would have been so much lamer to have the anointed one, because he was like, it's having the second in command that wasn't very threatening in your first season be the big bad of the second. Nothing. Like, he did yeah. nothing. He held Buffy's hand. Yeah. That's the only thing he did. Yeah, and yeah. showed her to a place she already knew about, because she'd already kind of been there before. He didn't. It's not like he tricked her, because no. she said right away, I know why you're here. <laughs> yeah. Like, and if they wanted to make him the big bad, he needed to do some threatening shit mm-hmm. early. Yeah. This whole, like, oh, you held her hand and you yeah. were just a little kid that told other people what to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're just a brat. That's not That's not scary. That's not big bad yeah. worthy. Or, like, give him some new, like, magic powers. He finds some book that gives him, like, greater power because he hasn't shown any <laughs> like, power. Well, going into an adult power or something. <laughs> the, only thing that, the-, the only thing the prophecy says is he'll lead the Slayer to hell. Yeah. That's not much of a prophecy. And, like, even, like, five will die. He didn't kill those people. No. He's just around them. Yeah. yeah. He's just near it. Buffy is facing out in the hallway when she's joined by Willow and Xander. Giles arrives to warn her that there's a big vampire plot afoot. But then he attacks her. Willow and Xander don't even react. Buffy rips off Giles' face to reveal the master. And then she wakes up from the nightmare. I love this. Yeah. I so love this, and I fall for it every time. I know. Yeah, I got. I was tricked the two times I watched it. <laughs> yeah. I remember this as being a scene. Every time this comes mm-hmm. on, I'm like, "Oh right, this is the scene where Wind- Willow and Xander come up and they flip a uh, lunches and mm-hmm. snacks, and that that and then Giles is going to come up, and then my brain shuts off. I don't remember what happens after yeah. that, but this is a good scene. But I also like how it's a fun fake out because in that scene, that's a dream. Willow's talking about her dream. And, like, in such a cute Willow way mm-hmm. that it's like, how could Buffy's brain have made this up yeah. well, when it was really something she'd say? I like that they taught, they kind of brought back in the Willow Xander angle in that, yeah. but then it wasn't real, so nobody really confessed anything. Because, yeah. I mean, that was so obvious that Xander would have been hard-pressed for even Xander to ignore it. Yeah. But that, I mean, that is a little weird, though, that, like, Buffy wasn't there for the ice cream on the nose moment. So she doesn't know there's been extra tension between those two. So how does her brain add that tension to this daydream? Well, maybe you could just say it's like the heightenedness of dreams that she knows that there's tension there. She's not like oblivious to it. So just the kind of heightened dream thing. She imagines that Willow's going to be more upfront about it than she's ever been. Mm. Sure. Okay. I really like in this scene, too, when they keep cutting away to Xander just munching on the apple like nothing's yeah. happening on the That's table creepy. or in front of him. Oh. <laughs> Also, Anthony Stewart head here. Damn. Yeah. He, yeah. He's a good villain. Yeah. He freaks me the fuck out. Yeah. Like, he's just so non-emotional. Mm-hmm. Just like, this, is, I'm, this isn't rage. This is just I'm getting business done. Fuck. It's the most British murder I've ever seen. <laughs> I think he does hold his pinky out. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> exactly. He has to get right back to the library because his tea is getting cold. <laughs> Absolutely. Buffy wakes up at home. Angel is there. He warns her that the anointed one is gathering forces with his typical vague prophecy bullshit. Oof. Buffy is clearly and confusingly cold to him. Mm-hmm. Last we saw, they were super close. This is... I 
again, I like. I don't mean to be on repeat. I like it. I like this. This is good. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm with Angel because as much as I didn't like him in season one, he redeemed himself, and she's just acting like kind of a bitch. Yeah. And like for no good reason. Like I've moved on, and I'm. I, I'm sorry I was supposed to be pining for you. Like, well, why weren't you? Well, and this is one of the times that we're seeing Buffy kind of move into the being a giant bitch as she is later in the episode. Mm-hmm. I feel like the first one was when she's talking to Willow and Xander, and she's like, not everything's about kissing Willow, and just mm-hmm. kind of being a jerk about it, and like this coldness to Angel, and yeah. And like the needless cruelty of saying, oh, you woke me up from a really good dream, just like this nice little dig of like, you're, I hate you so much right now, that nightmare where I was being murdered was better than you. <laughs> And I feel like he knows that, too. I feel like he can, could yeah. tell she woke up from a nightmare. Yeah. Like, he knows that's not true. At school the next day, the gang bumps into Cordy. She's less vicious than usual, comparing them to the three musketeers. She asks them about demon fighting and promises to keep Buffy's secret identity. But Buffy's bitchy to Cordy, whereas usually she's the brunt of Cordy's insults. Yes, she's bitchy to Cordy. I feel like this isn't as bad as... Willow and Xander make it out to be when she's like, oh, I won't tell anyone you're an idiot. That's not really that good a line. Yeah, it's there's definitely been worse lines that those characters have said to Cordy. Yeah, Xander straight up called her a whore. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was good that she thought of it on the fly, I guess, but yeah. it wasn't that mean. Mm-hmm. No. It was much better later. <laughs> I, think it, I think the bigger deal here is that it wasn't really deserve like Cordy was being mm-hmm. nice yeah and this came out of nowhere yeah it's sometimes Buffy is almost like the uh Peter Parker and the third Spider-Man where his like bad version is still kind of n- dorky and not really that threatening in some ways as yeah. like the bad girl at the bronze Chibomato is playing now they make a big deal out of this and I will say around this time I was listening to NSYNC and Britney Spears so I was not aware of Chibomata. Were you guys aware of them? Was there a thing? I was listening to probably early punk rock and, I don't know, alternative emo stuff. So I had no idea. I think the only reason they're really famous is Sean Lennon was in them for a yeah. while. And he's and in he's that on, scene. Yeah, he's yeah. But I had never heard of them before this. Yeah. I thought they said uh, Chimo Mondo, and I thought maybe they were the makers of our favorite uh, drink in the show, the Mondo bottles. <laughs> yes. I was really disappointed to find out they were not. The only music I think I was super, besides the musical episode, that I was super aware of in uh, Buffy was when Michelle Branch was on. Because, again, I liked pop. Um, I know that the soundtrack is a big deal for many fans. So I just assume it's because I'm lame that I didn't know them. I had a friend who was, I think I mentioned in the pack, was really into one-line drawing. So that one song she really liked, she also was like, oh, Chibo Mato. I'm like... I don't know. I don't know. I can't even remember who they are right now, but I know various points in the show. I was like, oh, I actually recognize it. And it only happened mm-hmm. maybe three times, so I felt really special when I did actually recognize it. Yeah, I think I, I recognized Michelle Branch. I recognized Ashanti, who wasn't musical. She was a snake lady. Spoilers alert for, like, the worst episode of season seven. <laughs> um, and then Amy Mann was the other, other one that I, oh, I remember yeah. recognizing. I know all. Amy Mann. There was an Alison Krauss song in this episode, though. Oh. That was really, that stuck out to me. I'm more excited about, like, I know who that is! Yay! Yeah, yeah. this is the driving scene. I don't know if we've gotten there yet. Willow is concerned about Buffy's new mean attitude. It's really cute, but kind of sad the way she puts ice cream on her nose to get oh, the so attention. Pathetic. Oh, oh, it break my, it, like, it broke yeah. my heart. Sweetie, you can do... So pathetic. Play a little hard to get. Like, yeah. it's not Also, you really open the door to that nose-looking thing again, and it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a thing, like, 
Mm, no. See, I, on the other end, just kept thinking... You really that, like your nose being licked, so you were into it? <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was thinking more on the other end of, like, Xander, you dumb dumb. Like, it's another opportunity. She's, like, saying, like, please kiss me. Like, let's... And he's, of course, Buffy's back on the scene, so he has to hopelessly Ugh. pine for her. You kind of would have thought after how clear Buffy was in Prophecy Girl that, like, I'm not into you. I really kind of hoped at this point that... He would have let it go, that yep. this wasn't going to be a thing anymore. Well, in this whole forgetting Willow as soon as Buffy's back on the scene thing, I kind of just want to be like, what was that first scene then? Were yep. you drunk? Yeah. Like, what was going on <laughs> that you were just like, yep, going to do this? Was he just that bored? He was like, I'm not really attracted to you, but I guess I have nothing well, that's else terrib- to do. I mean, that's like, terrible. It's <laughs> awful, Xander. I think he's so blinded by his past with Willow and his mm-hmm. friendship with her that he just he doesn't see her that, her that way. That yeah. way. Mm-hmm. And maybe because they've spent the whole summer just the two of them, he starts to mm-hmm. forget about Buffy. And with her being right in front of his face, he can't. Mm. But still, dude, she rejected you. The Both of them yeah. are being pathetic at this point. They need to give it up. But the magic is gone. And once again, Xander only has eyes for Buffy. The Anointed One and his gang of vampires are digging up the Master's bones. Man, does this kid suck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't care if it burns you. Just dig anyway. Not only that, his delivery of the line. The guy, the, the like this one guy is selling his only line in this episode for all he's worth. The ground is consecrated and burns. <laughs> and, then, and then it's just very deadpan. Dig. What? <laughs> Second take, guys. Do another take. This was yeah. their best shot of this kid doing that line. I, I'm just imagining the nightmare world where he was the big bad of the second oh, season. Oh. Awful to keep Thank seeing God. it over and over. Murder. Um, slayer. <laughs> oh no, I'm dying. <laughs> Maybe that's why he wasn't the big bad, because this kid's acting sucks. <laughs> that would have been his one like superpower. He just like, <laughs> was such a bad actor that they just all gave up so they wouldn't act at them anymore. <laughs> Back at the bronze, Angel asks Buffy why she's mad at him. She says she's moved on to the living. Uh, she then asks Xander to dance to make Angel jealous. Mm. While a stunned Xander barely moves, Buffy makes a show of grinding up on him, making Angel and Willow understandably jealous. I would like the both of you <laughs> to define the look on Angel's face during this scene. Uh, hmm. Begrudgingly jealous, maybe? Because I feel like he sees what she's doing. Everybody sees what she's doing. You think even Xander knows what's going on? Oh, Xander's sitting Mm. there while she's doing, like, did you notice the shoulder move, first of all? That, what a, I mean, you can see me right now, people of podcasts, where I'm like, it's so, yeah, it's very isolated. (laughs) I was like, what are we doing here? I'm just gonna stretch out my shoulder. So she does the shoulder, and he, and they kind of pan on his face for a minute, and you can just see his jaw muscles working, and I don't know if he's, like, trying to, like, hold back an inevitable boner. That's what I think But I also want to point out why is it in vampire mythology that hundreds of year old vampires are always falling in love with high school girls? Okay, yeah, I totally agree. It's so creepy to me. Like, if you think of it as if it was a, instead of a hundred or like 240 years old, just think of it as if a 40 year old was in love with a 16 year old girl. That's incredibly creepy. Now add 200 years to that. I student taught in high school and I was like, how do, how do those teachers that get in trouble even, I couldn't, they're children. Mm-hmm. They're children. Yeah. And I, so I couldn't even imagine dating a high school dude. I'm only 32. I can't imagine if I was 200 something years old and then I'm like, mm, yep. Yeah, I, this I, high school girl. I stopped being into like teenagers when I turned like, 
20. It just seemed like, oh, like that's oh, not, yeah. that's not interesting that. to me anymore. Like, I, I can remember when I found Teenagers Hot when I was a teenager, but there's nothing like attractive because, yeah, they're, they're children. They're not even fun to talk to. I mean, yeah, as previously mentioned in other episodes, high schoolers just suck. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Apologies to any high schooler listeners. <laughs> I mean, you're you're going to get better. like, <laughs> And if you're already good now, you're going to be great. Exactly. But yeah, Xander's either not into it or he's concentrating really hard on hand, hiding a boner. He's just, he's not doing much of anything. So I don't know what it's meant to be. I, I think it's almost like shock in a way where it's just like, yeah, I, yeah. I'm just going to shut down because like, I can't believe this is happening. Well, and I don't think he does believe, I mean, I don't think yep. he's taken in by it. Mm-hmm. She's so obviously doing this really fakey thing. Yeah. And he's just kind of like, I feel like he's kind of pissed too. Why are mm-hmm. you doing this to but me? But in like the next scene, Xander has a line where he's like, is that hard to believe that she might actually be attracted to me? Yeah, okay. but I almost feel like yeah. that was a little posturing on his part, mm-hmm. like, afterwards. Yeah. Can we talk about that part, though, where she's, like, asking about if she ever, like, you know, said thank you for... Yeah. Yeah. I don't... That was creepy to me. That was real <laughs> creepy. Weird. And also, yeah. you don't say thank you for life-saving with, like, a hand job, which is what I feel like she was up to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just That's not, just it. I ne- I've never really gotten that line. Like, like, don't you wish I would? Like, oh, I mean, yeah. I guess. What does that entail? <laughs> yeah. It makes oh. me think about, did you ever hear the Janet Jackson song, If? I believe Probably. so. Which one's that? <laughs> One of the lyrics is, if I was your girl of the things I'd do to you, I'd oh, make yeah. you call out my name, then ask who it belongs to. Little Kristen loved this song and had no idea what she <laughs> I was like, I don't know. That seems silly. Like, hey, Kristen, who's that? <laughs> That's a funny prank to play. <laughs> it's like Marco Polo. Yeah. I'm going to like cheat at Marco Polo. But it kind of makes me think about that. Like, mm-hmm. she's, is she insinuating that or is it maybe she just means like I'll I'll bake you a nice cake and put your name on I it. I don't you don't you don't go don't you wish I'd bake you a nice cake? I mean I <laughs> no do one but does that. <laughs> even you say that I'm like I don't know what that you put that's yeah. a euphemism for right, you don't assume I'm actually gonna walk in with something frosted and baked. I mean <laughs> I mean I have expected <laughs> even that sounds like I mean, you Yeah, I know. You can't say oh. anything in that voice and not have it be I gotta stay away from baked goods for the next week. I felt like he was going to fall out in the alley and something was going to happen for a hot minute there. And then I was like, wait, no, Ew. it doesn't happen. Ew. Oh, that's a murder alley, not, not a, not a fun alley. <laughs> yeah. In the murder alley, <laughs> Cordy confronts Buffy and tells her to get over whatever, whatever is giving her attitude. I really like this banter between mm-hmm. them. The, are you really, you're really campaigning for bitch of the year, mm, aren't you? As, defen- as defending champion, aren't you jealous? And I like that Cordy gives it right back. I can hold my own. Like, she's yep. not even affected by the cha- the fact that Buffy just called her a bitch. Yeah, it's um, really neat to see. In some ways, Cordy has the, the biggest arc of anyone on the show in a lot of ways. Because she really goes from being somebody who's almost entirely selfish in the beginning of the first season. And we're getting to see the start of her real evolution to becoming a more compassionate, considerate person who is actually caring about more things in the world without losing her personality, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key there is the fact that she doesn't lose her personality. Like, as much as she starts to care about other people and care about the world Mm -hmm. and saving it, she never loses her confidence, Mm -hmm. her Mm self-love, shall we say, her interest in clothing and fashion. Like, that stuff doesn't go away. She just gets better. Like high schoolers. Yes. (laughs) I also like the, we've never really been that close, which is nice because I don't like you very much. (laughs) 
That whole scene was great. Joan Collins line, great. Oh, yes. The Collins toot. Buffy leaves and some vamps grab Cordy. I love this because it just shows like Slayer instincts are apparently not what I thought they were. <laughs> when if somebody can get kidnapped by vampires 20 feet behind you. <laughs> and like she's supposed to have this great hearing. She, there was yeah. this like mm-hmm. I kind of feel like my instincts would have caught that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like what if what if she had just been like, and you know one of the oh, there's vampires. <laughs> Ruined her brilliant plan by having another point. And also the brilliant plan of, like, let's just kidnap all the secondary female characters first, and then see what happens from there. Because <laughs> they Pretty get much. Miss Calendar and Cordy, which seems like, I don't know, it's, it's a weird grouping. Where did they grab Miss Calendar from, anyway? Was yeah, that, that was ever never explained? explained no, no, she just showed up. Yeah. I feel like it wouldn't be, I feel like they're peeking up, peeking off, they're picking off the weakest, like, I guess they're prey. by themselves the most, yeah. maybe? Yeah. And they, like, pose the least threat, probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, Jenny and Cordy are strong women, but not physically. Yeah. And as long as, you know, Jenny's not by a laptop, she can't do her techno-pagan magic. Oh, right, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the gang fears that Buffy must be possessed. Why else would she be acting like such a bitka? <laughs> yeah, the spelling gag was great. <laughs> <laughs> Giles, though, realizes that Buffy's putting up a wall. In order to squelch her leftover fear of the master and her own death, she needs to convince herself that she's invulnerable. Buffy has patrolled and found that the master's grave have, has been dug up. She blames Giles. Why? I guess I wasn't the part where he said that he knew he'd heard of a spell that that could happen, but he'd never heard of it working. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. You're yeah. Right. I kind of get it, but at the same time, it's a pretty it's a pretty loose connection. And, and also, I feel like there's not, like, a big precedent for Giles explaining, like, these are all the things that are possible in the universe of magic. <laughs> it's usually like, hey, is this possible? Yeah, it is. That's the kind of relationship they've been having. It's right. not like, he's like, okay, so here's all the options of things that could happen from here. Mm. That's not the relationship they've had. That's a very interesting point about Trout. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Snyder, you know, I'm, I'm coming back onto your your bus here, Mike. I'm liking Snyder. Yeah. This, this time around, I'm liking Snyder. Usually I don't like him. I mean, he's tickling I like me this time. He's a good comic foil, and I feel like they use him very gingerly, like just a couple times in an episode, just to kind of provide a nice counterpoint, or occasionally move the plot forward. Well, he's definitely the straight man, because he's like mm-hmm. not in on any of the huge amount of stuff that's going mm-hmm. on around him. Or suppose, I mean, like, mm-hmm. he is, we just don't know. Yeah. yeah. But I forget how funny he is. Like, I just yeah. remember him being an asshole and, like, kicking Buffy out of the school and, like, charging her with murder. I completely forgot. He's got all these great lines. So another one of, uh, there are some things I can just smell. It's like a sixth sense. No, that would be one of the five. <laughs> and I also, I think this is a center line. Uh, you really have faith in those kids. Weird. <laughs> He's also a nice counterpoint because previously, Mike, you thought that Giles really hated kids. Well, I, I just feel like it's not in, like, a, an active where it's like, oh, I hate these kids. It's like, I don't relate to this at all. Like, it, they're fine, but I don't want to interact with them. Which is how an adult should respond to teenagers instead of, like, a 200-year-old falling in love with well, a teenager. Well, I think there's a middle ground between, like, I don't want to interact with you and, like, I want to jump <laughs> your bones. It's like, hey, how's class going? <laughs> to bring back the master, the vampires need his bones and the person closest to the master... Which Buffy thinks means her. I still think that's a jump. Yeah. I would assume that meant the anointed one. Yeah, I like, would have assumed the same thing. It'd be a sidekick. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she does have that line about we killed each other, that'll bring you pretty close or whatever. But yeah, I didn't think it was necessarily what I would, the first thing I'd go to. Yeah, and 
Yeah, they're just the the line doesn't. Support. I feel like maybe this is more of a script problem. There should have been some other mistranslation that would have made it, or maybe that's the point: is that she makes this assumption that isn't very well founded, and that's what ends up screwing everybody up. I don't know. Yeah. The vampires tell Buffy to come to the bronze, or they will eat Cordy. Willow, no, you're laughing because of the "we'll make her a meal" line. Yeah, I love that line. I love that line. They're gonna cook her dinner. (laughs) No, does she? Do they know she's allergic to nuts? (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna make you pad thai. (laughs) Willow knows it's a trap, but Buffy refuses help. She doesn't want to have to worry about them getting hurt, which is going to be a really common setup. Like this Mm. is gonna be a huge thing of like it's a trap. Don't go alone. It was a trap. You screwed over everybody. Yeah. Oh, and even like to the point that Angelus will tell her at some point, and you fall for it every time. <laughs> and I think about that line every time like this happens. I'm like, bitch, just learn your lesson. Isn't it the closer of this season that he says that? Yeah. 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 Angel insists on helping Buffy. Hey, it is a trap. <laughs> what do you know? They dressed uh, a girl vampire up in Cordy's clothes as bait. It's a distraction to get Buffy away from her friends. They were the ones physically closest or nearest to the vampire mm-hmm. when he died. The vamps had kidnapped Willow and Giles while Buffy was out. Xander is pissed. Ooh. This is effective Xander. Yeah. Like, again, when he gets mad, yeah. he kind of does it for me. It's <laughs> <laughs> normally not my thing. But Xander's pissed. And the line's like, if they hurt Willow, I'll kill you. Like, Ooh, oh. that is a great line. Yeah, it's a good line. It's like, I, I don't care about you, Buffy. If they hurt Willow... No. Yeah. And I, like, I, that's I, great considering the Willow Xander moments mm-hmm. earlier in the episode. Yeah. He still cares about her a lot, even if he doesn't feel anything romantically for her. I always think that their relation goes so much deeper mm-hmm. than romance, and yeah. which is yeah. why I'm glad that they never... Oh, no, they do date. Never mind. Meh. Ruined it. I've seen the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, but every time that comes up, I always kind of forget, like, oh, yeah, because maybe it's just, like, the, the geeky uh, 15-year-old inside of me just thinks, like, maybe I just dreamt that that happened. That right, that was... They the, finally got together. <laughs> that was some fanfic I read. Yeah. Right? But to me, like, they're not... The romance, to me, kind of cheapens it. Like... Mm. To me, they're soulmates. It's just... It's the whole yellow crayon thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I, I kind of disagree on a point. I do agree that they're kind of like soulmates in in a platonic sense. But I like that when they're still teenagers kind of figuring things out, they do date. And then they realize later, like, that was a mistake. Yeah. They're still really close. I like that you can show that relationship of being able to date somebody and then still be friends with them afterwards and still be as close as you were, even if you mistakenly dated. You could yeah. still want to bang your yellow crayon, I guess. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is like our dirtiest episode. <laughs> well, and I was going to make a comment huh. about jumbo-sized crayons. <laughs> <laughs> Over the edge. Buffy tortures the fake Cordy vamp by shoving her cross necklace in her mouth. Ooh. This is memorable. Yeah, straight up Jack Bauer shit there. Yeah, this is like... Yeah. I mean, she scares the shit out of me in this moment. Like, oh, honey. Like, I don't have fun, fuzzy, warm feelings towards that vamp, but oof. Yeah, it did seem very violent, considering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, kind of out of character. Like, I guess in mm-hmm. character for this episode's mm-hmm. Buffy. 
This yeah. is when she was bad. This is like PTSD Fair. Buffy. Mm-hmm. That's true. She has no rules. <laughs> PTSD. It's like a, a, a separate action figure. PTSD <laughs> <laughs> Buffy. PTSD. She's like sort of angry and she's With flashback like action. grinding shoulder action. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> When I'm picturing like the fact that anatomically, just the shoulder <laughs> would have to be like separate from the body. You just press a little button on the back, just the shoulder goes. <laughs> oh, Buffy arrives to save the day, fights the vampires, does a very good job of it. She's mm-hmm. clearly working shit out, but it's not over. Buffy grinds the master skeleton into dust and bursts into tears as Angel holds her. I th- I really think this is nice that that they did this that they 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 used this episode not to just have her fight another bad guy and sure there's preacher dude but that they used it to go into the the idea that you can't just go through these things even if you're a superhero mm-hmm. and come out a hundred percent unscathed that you're going to have PTSD mm-hmm. it's the Iron Man three exactly of Buffy I thought of that too where you're just I mean you died. How many superheroes yeah. have therapists? Like, <laughs> that's a thing. Probably a couple. I don't know. They should. Know. They should. That, Most that of should them be should. Some comic, like, super therapists. <laughs> uh, the next day at school, Buffy is worried about seeing her friends and that they'll be holding a grudge for her recent attitude problems. But it's okay. All's good in the Scooby Gang. They saved a seat for her. Aww. They could, you know, they don't know what to do that night. They could go to the bronze or they could grind their enemies into talcum powder but gee we did that last night (laughs) so one weird little side note i thought when i first watched this episode that willow was wearing star of david earrings and i was really excited like yeah oh no it's just just a regular star oh Oh, bummer yeah i was really bummed out because i thought that would be such a nice little character touch that she has like these (laughs) these weird little you know star of david earrings i love her jewishness yeah I hate the button at the end of this uh, oh. episode of the anointed one being all alone going, I hate that girl. Oh, well, someone shut this kid up already. He's the worst. <laughs> yeah. I, the anointed one just can't even. Ugh. I like, get that like kid actors are generally bad, but some of them can act. It's such a weird non-threatening thing where it's just, oh, this kid is alive. But he That's can't it. do anything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, his worst tendency is not violence. It's not him being scary. It's not him being evil. He's petulant. It's like yeah. the best. He's just petulant. Just spank him. Exactly. Put him in timeout. <laughs> I did like, though, that they had the, they kind of showed the fleetingness of high school drama. You know, mm-hmm. that, oh, yeah. the next day, we're all fine. You yeah. know, you weirdly grinded on Xander and, you know, you kind of were a bitch a couple times. But whatever. Mm-hmm. We're all okay now. Yeah. I, I mean, I also think it shows that this group of fen- friends can do that because there are friends in high school who are like, she wore the same scrunchie in me, so I'm not talking to her anymore. Whereas like this group <laughs> is like, we're, no, we, we deal with bigger things. We fight vampires. Yeah. yeah. We kind of, we have to, even if it wasn't for the friendship angle, we kind of have to for practicality's sake. Like we, yeah, we the need to the each world backs. angle. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the lesson in when she was bad? I think this is about asking for help. Mm. That it's okay to feel scared and hurt, but don't push people away. Embrace them, talk to them, ask them for help, tell them what's going on. I think this is a lesson that I need. Like, I'm very bad at this. Even for little things, like whenever my husband offers to help me carry groceries, I won't accept. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I just refuse to accept the help. Or, like, I will climb on three chairs stacked on top of each other to reach the top shelf before I ask him for help with anything. That's, I mean, like, a, on a small scale. Yeah. No, I agree. And I, I feel the same thing sometimes. I find it, especially when I'm trying to carry things, like, I'll have four boxes. And be like, you want help with that? No, I can take it. <laughs> I got it. I'm a man. <laughs> I also felt on the opposite end that maybe a little bit of the lesson was to pay attention to what your friends are going through and maybe mm. just the bitchiness yeah. on the surface is not the only thing that's happening. Cause she had pretty clear PTSD in most of this episode and everyone's yeah. kind of like, she's just being a jerk. That's true. And nobody went deeper and said, Oh, well she also like almost died saving the world. And now she's a little messed up about it. Maybe yeah. we could give her that. That's true. There wasn't really a moment of like Willow taking Buffy aside and being like, Hey, a lot of shit happened. Do you want to talk about it? What's yeah. Or on? Hey, I see that you're acting this way. I feel like there's more to it. You know, open yep. up to me. Let's do this. Let's H to H. Yeah. Mike, anything else you'd like to say about when she was back? I did have one other thing. Uh, oh, yes. There's two opening shots. So on my opening shot lookout, um, uh, they're both from the big uh, climax at the end with the Scoobies hanging upside down and then the really cool staking of the guy as he's trying to chant. You mean those are in the credits? Yeah. Oh. In the opening thing. Yeah. In the opening credits. Oh. I'm always on the lookout for those. All right, it's time to put When She Was Bad back on the shelf and open the books on Some Assembly Required. Buffy is in the cemetery waiting for a vamp to rise when Angel arrives. He's still clearly upset about Buffy's sexy dance with Xander, (laughs) and he's trying to, like... Find out if Xander's going to show up and help her patrol. Which, again, you're 200. A, you should have better skills with the girls at this point. And, like, smoother, just, you know, I get you look not like a high schooler, like a 20. He looks like a 20-year-old. Yeah. He is in his 200s, but he's acting like he's 16. Yeah. If I can forget that he's 200... And by that he's 20, I think it's kind of a cute scene. Yeah, Then definitely. when I remember that, it ruins it for me. Also, I wrote down the yo-yo is a bit much. I don't remember what that was a reference to. but because oh, she's like yo-yoing oh, on top yeah. of the, the grave. Was... I don't need that to hear that she's bored. Like, yeah. I, can, yeah. I can see if she's bored, but just a huff. Yeah. Also, who cares about a yo-yo when they're in high school? Like, <laughs> yeah. It just seemed really... Or when you're fighting vampires, that seems like it would be a weird thing to do. I mean, unless it's, it's like, like consecrated yo-yo, I don't know. Yeah. I was going to say one it's side has a stake wafers. sticking out right? of it. Or something, so it's, like it's, like, it's made of silver chain, I don't know. The vamp arrives and interrupts them. He takes out Angel with one hit. Come on, buddy. We've been through this. Do something. Buffy, meanwhile, falls into an open grave. And based on the tracks leading away from it, the body was dragged out. Grave robbers. Mm-hmm. I have a question, though, like, that coffin looks real clean for somebody having dug it up and then opened it and then taken a body out and dragged it away. It actually looks like somebody just dropped a coffin into an open grave. They probably took the time to vacuum it. Yeah. Nobody to wants cover to the leave tracks. dust and stuff in there. Yeah, gross. Vam- uh, vacuums get rid of fingerprints, right? Like that's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just- <laughs> Child is planning on asking out Jenny, but only if she's amenable, <laughs> which is just so cute. I feel like Ripper Giles would know what to do here, right? Well, one would assume. Well, I feel like maybe Ripper Giles would never even go through that step. He'd just be like, you're coming with me. That's We're gonna true. Go hey, babe. Smoke cigarettes. Motorcycle. <laughs> We're clearly all so cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they, when you see band candy, that's kind of what he does. Yeah. 
He talks about getting my band back together. (laughs) (laughs) At the school science fair, Eric is assaulting women with his camera while Willow and Chris sign up their science projects. Eric thinks Cordy would be perfect for him and Chris, except that she's alive. So they're they're the grave robbers. So we know that, like, five minutes in. They're they're the grave robbers. There's no doubt in anyone's mind, (laughs) right? Yeah. But we don't know why they're robbing graves yet. I feel like it does make them less threatening, though, because you know it's these two high school nerds. And at the time, at least, you sort of go, well, what are they going to do? I mean, probably creating some creepy sex robot or something, which is what I assumed immediately off the bat. Because I watched I just this they crash and sex I did not remember. I went yeah. uh, you went straight necrophilia. <laughs> yes. yeah. Especially that little kid. He's so creepy. That's, yeah. that's and I'm, maybe I'm, I'm kind of skipping ahead here. My biggest problem with this episode is that that kid doesn't get a good comeuppance. Yeah. that little kid yeah. is so evil and yeah. nasty and He's gross. He's bad. just a greasy Disgusting. little rat kid. I hate you can, him. You can justify the other characters doing bad things as like, well, first of all, there's one that's undead and possibly doesn't even have a soul anymore. And the other one is trying to help his brother. Like, there's there's pathos there. This little kid is just a monster. And he doesn't get He's any... He's just way too easily swayed to the killing people thing, too. Yeah. Just like, yeah, nobody else do For, it. Like, what's his motivation here? You get Chris's, yeah. but... Mm-hmm. What is Eric in it for? I think yeah. he's, he just, he's like really it. into the anatomy of the women. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think, yeah. I like think maybe he's, he's going to make his own after this. May, yeah, something like that. But, Eric, I mean, Eric is, he's not a great person. I mean, he's, a, I don't, I don't know. His thing with Willow is cute. Yeah. Like, yeah. they have nerd friends. Mm-hmm. He can out-nerd her, mm-hmm. which is neat. Willow finds out that the girl whose corpse was stolen died last week in a car accident. Cordy's desperately trying to get attention, talking about her pain and Chris, and nobody cares. Which I like, because usually she commands the room. (laughs) Giles and Xander dig up the bodies of the other girls in the car accident to see if this is a serial grave robber. Willow explains to Buffy that Cordy was mourning Daryl, Chris's older football-playing brother who died. I often think of the line... I'm sorry, I'm an old-fashioned girl. I was raised to believe that <laughs> the men dig up the graves and the women have the babies. <laughs> I don't know why that often comes up in conversation for me. It shouldn't. <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> After cheerleading practice, Cordy is spooked by a noise in the parking lot, so she hides in a dumpster where Angel finds her, and then she's assaulted by dead body parts. I also like this scene. I like mm-hmm. that, like... Cordy will jump into this dumpster, even though, like, she's a very prissy person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like, I kind of like Cordy's interactions with Angel. I feel like even when they don't have chemistry, it's good chemistry, if that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah. I also like the how it's shot until Angel comes up, where it's shot very much almost like an 80s slasher movie. Where yeah, it's like, super suspenseful. Ooh, somebody's mm-hmm. going to come and, and, and get her. She's in the lot all by herself, and then, oh, it's just Angel. Oh, she, of course, drops the keys. Got yeah. it. I was like, I never yeah. drop my keys that often, but everyone uh, yeah. in a horror movie is like, oh, I dropped my keys. Uh. I better run upstairs. I liked the hand gag in the dumpster. Yeah. That was great. Yep. Classic. I have my hand caught on. <laughs> Although, one thing, I think this is the first scene that comes up in, but he's wearing it later, too. And it's the only time it's ever happened in the series, and I think thankfully so uh that angel's wearing a tan jacket <laughs> yeah, yeah that's yeah. weird it's weird like it as, as a person david boreanaz looks fine in a tan jacket oh yeah it's fine but as angel the character it's like oh that's gross yeah stick to red and black yeah. like that yeah. those are your colors i don't see him like coming up in khakis ever and just being like oh, what's up? i like it's a very specific 
It looks a lot like George Michael's jacket on a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is like little uh, uh, windbreaker. I feel like he's about to go play golf or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, or, or model for some, I don't know, Ralph Lauren thing about, this is our new coat. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Have you gotten your L.L. Bean catalog? <laughs> All the girls' gra- graves were empty. The whole gang reconvenes in the library where Cordy won't stop clinging to Angel. I like the mm. body language here. Like, she is all over him, and he's just still as a statue. <laughs> but still raising Buffy's jealousy. Yeah. yeah. You know, she's just kind of, I don't know, side-eyeing the whole situation. There's so much tension here. So Angel's upset that Buffy lied about going out tonight. Buffy's upset that Cordy is all over Angel. Xander's upset to see Angel. Angel's upset to see Xander. Like, you can just <laughs> cut the tension here, and I love it. Like, it's going to happen. They should have done a Rocky Horror style where everyone just says each other's names. Like, Xander, Angel, Angel, Gordy, Gordy. And just yes. gone around the room. So, why is someone robbing graves? There are only parts missing, not a full set. The gang is going to research students with backgrounds in physiology while Angel escorts Cordy home. Is this where we have the line where they ask how many students would know that much about physiology? Five or six? Not only, I mean, I like the whole, like, mess up Willow when we promise you'll never do it again. That's adorable. He joked. <laughs> yeah, that fail was great. <laughs> I think uh, that weird that, like, five or six kids in high school are like, yeah, we know enough about how to cut yeah, up a maybe body. maybe five or six cats, or five or six cats, maybe five or six students did well dissecting the cat in physiology class. Yeah. You just, they didn't, these are the five or six students that didn't decide to, like, play with the corpse. I don't know if kids in your guy's school did that. We didn't dissect a cat. We did a frog and a grasshopper and a rat. That was our biggest one. We did an owl pellet and a frog. We did a frog in junior high and a cat in high school. There's a reason I didn't take that class in high school. That's so much. That's a lot. I knew some people did fetal pigs, which I think I also would have been. Mm. The rat, I don't know. It was sort of okay. We named it after our anthropology teacher. <laughs> She's a jerk. She deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like all the students in my class like tried to be cool by like doing terrible things to these animals, oh. like shoving a scalpel up one end so it came out the other. Ah, oh my like, God! Where'd you go to high school? Was it on a helmet? <laughs> Sadist you? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I didn't take it. But yeah, I, I think like the maybe the top five or six are just people that like completed the assignment mm. without doing that. Yeah. Chris's locker is filled with textbooks on anatomy, along with a newspaper article about the three girls' deaths. Eric's locker provides the missing piece, a collage of girls' parts from different magazines. They're creating their very own Frankenstein monster. These are kind of a little too conveniently incriminating lockers. It's almost as if they were told, hey, can you make your lockers as incriminating as possible? <laughs> Please, like, put evidence up on the inside because you need yeah. to see the pieces you cut out of a magazine at all times during the day. It's so weird. Yeah, I don't know why he would put that on his locker. Well, but I do like that this is the Frankenstein episode. Yeah. Yep. But I, when does Chris have find time to read Grey's Anatomy while he's in high school as well? I mean, there's not a lot of downtime. You think you keep it at home. I don't see him in a lot of extracurriculars. Yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. Like, during school. Yeah. Like, why does so, he have yeah, it in he, his locker? Yeah. 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 That's a little... Maybe that's I mean, his, his mom his totally checked out. Why does he copy? just keep it anywhere at home? Yeah, no, she does not care. Well, he's too busy listening to fish records. Because that's totally one of the stickers on his door, which I think is a <laughs> weird choice. Yeah, totally, totally a fish fan. You can tell. Yeah, just why is that detail there? 
probably somebody on the, the crew liked fish and was just like, <laughs> I'm going to put my sticker up there. So th- this is where I took a break in my notes and realized that I'm, I'm kind of watching iRobot Eugene. It is exactly 20 minutes in, and I am bored. Just bored. And for a similar reason as iRobot mm-hmm. Eugene. I robot you, Jane. We're halfway through, and I already know who done it. I'm just waiting for the gang to catch up. Yeah, yeah. To, to a degree, I, I feel like there could have been more mystery, but I think you don't know. I mean, you probably guess, but you don't know for sure what exactly the older brother has to do with it because I don't think he's been introduced yet. No, it's not that I know absolutely everything, yeah. but like I'm still You're finding late. everything out way before the rest of the. Yeah, the, yeah. Like I'm just waiting for character. them to catch mm-hmm. up to me. Giles is going to ask out Miss Calendar, and it's adorable. No. Yeah, that seems cute. He's so nervous, but the bell rings before he can get up the nerve. And instead, Miss Calendar invites Giles to the football game with her. <laughs> the coroner's report is in. Three girls, three heads. The boys st- still need one more body. Eric tries to convince Chris that they can't wait for another dead body. They need to take the head of a living girl. Chris just can't do this, which we like him for. Mm-hmm. He apologizes to his older brother, Daryl. So this is the big reveal of Daryl, the older brother who supposedly died, but... In a mysterious climbing accident, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they said he was climbing and he fell. (laughs) It's weirdly vague how they... I guess maybe maybe they're thinking they don't want to give too much because then people will be able to poke holes of like, how did you get the body? I still have that question. Yeah. I mean... (laughs) Presumably he was in pieces. I mean, it looks like he was in pieces mm-hmm. from the way he's all sewn up. Yeah. How did you get the body? Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that he, he, this was the first grave he robbed. Okay. Yeah. So the problem right now is the brain. The brain needs mm-hmm. to be fresh, right? And with these other three girls, it wasn't fresh enough. How fresh was Chris's brain? Well, we don't know for sure that he robbed the grave. Maybe they said, like, oh, we couldn't find the body, and he lied about it. I don't know. Maybe he was on the trip with, with Daryl, and he took the body and preserved it. Maybe they decided to sit Shiva and then just, like, he disappeared. Nobody questioned it. I have no idea. There's a lot of... I don't know. There was a lot of questions for me about that. Mm -hmm. But we find out Frankenstein already exists. This episode isn't about Frankenstein's monster. It's about Frankenstein's wife. Daryl wants a girlfriend. Again, still not clear on Eric's motivation. He's just really excited about this. And why... I guess why is it the brain has to be so fresh, but all the other bits can be relatively old? Well, I think it's just that the, in order for the brain to function, it needs to be fresher. It's, I mean, it's a little silly, but I mean, the whole idea of high school kids being able to reanimate corpses I mean, is a little silly. Yes. <laughs> but I, just, I guess it just didn't occur to me, like, well, why does the brain need to be much fresher? I don't mm-hmm. know. I guess that makes sense. Obviously, you have more reanimating corpse experience. Than <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it's just a small-time uh, hobby. Do we need to worry about you, Mike? <laughs> Well, uh, don't look at the inside of my locker is all I'm saying. <laughs> Who was the serial killer that, like, kept dead bodies in his freezer? Oh, there were a couple uh, of them. Ed Gein Dahmer? used to make them into, um... Well, this is, I'm a creep the now. <laughs> he used to make them into belts. He had a belt of women's nipples and, like... Oh! Oh! Oh, my God! ...and stuff. And he's the basis for the main ba- bad guy in Texas Chainsaw. Yep. Leatherface and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Norman Bates and all those people. And then there was also... Was it Dahmer that kept, yeah. like, yeah, brains Heads. in the fridge and stuff? Because he wanted to do, like, experiments on them. Yeah. And, like, he, one of the things about Dahmer that I found out, um, not for this episode, but just in life, uh, is that he apparently, one of his goals was to somehow mess with somebody's mind to make a uh, sex life. Obviously. Like you would. Yeah. So, <laughs> not a cool guy. 
Eric. Yeah, basically that's yeah, Eric basically, in 10 like, years. Basically. And since they don't like arrest him or do anything else to him, he's probably going to still do that in 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, they don't really... I guess yeah. they're in the yearbook later when mm-hmm. that comes out, but they're never really mentioned again. Yeah. And they don't... Neither of them gets punished or... And I feel like once you've reanimated one to almost one and three quarter people... Yeah. You probably don't just drop that. Or, I mean, you think you get into some other weird stuff. Mm-hmm. At the very least, like, I get, like, the police don't get the supernatural, but you could at least go to the police and be like, these guys dug up women's graves. Right? And took mm-hmm. their bodies. Yeah. Like, that is straight up illegal for many reasons. Or have, like, Buffy say, if I catch any whiff of this happening again, I'll be after you. Yeah, Something like some that. lingering threat. Yeah. Either that or have them pop up later with the whole Warren scenario. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. I, I would buy that. Yeah, I, I felt this is very much like a the first proto-trio episode in a way. Yes. Where it's the idea of these nerdy, geeky guys doing this awful mad science or slash magic stuff. Daryl chooses Cordy for his new girlfriend's head. Buffy checks out Chris's house. His mom is obsessed with Daryl's old games. She can't answer any questions about Chris or the present day, but she's memorized the football tapes. I kind of hate this woman. Yeah, she's awful. You look like you're sympathetic. I I am because I I don't think it's a healthy thing that she's doing, obviously, but I I understand that that's the, the way that she is basically grieving by not grieving that she's just so upset about the loss of her son, which obviously she put kind of all her, her, her life into for whatever reason. And that son's gone now. And she, she's just empty inside now and trying to like relive her, her son's glories. And just, she's got nothing left now. No, she does have something left. Her other son who needs a mother. Yeah, but Where's I, the dad too? What happened to him? I I'm just assuming he's a single mom. Okay. I just assume that. I, I mean, I feel like yeah, it's not healthy. She shouldn't be doing this, but I understand it. And I feel like I, I get how somebody could get that broken, with, with, given this what happened. That like, not only did she lose a child, but a child that she obviously like favored. And let's be honest, yeah, she obviously favored that child, and. He died, like, in a really tragic time when he was having the best life possible. And whether you call it guilt or grief or just the shock, she's still just not over it. And I I, I can sympathize with that. I, I agree it's not ideal. It's not a healthy way to deal with it. But I get I get it. And it makes me really sad every time I watch the episode. I can see what you're saying. But I also, I agree with you, too, where it's just... You know, you have this other kid who's alive who wants to... I mean, I assume that's kind of the reason he reanimated the brother that mm-hmm. the mom, you know... Yeah, bring her so back. So devastated. So I just feel like, oh, that's such a shame. It just, mm-hmm. Yeah, it bums me out, I guess, is the best... I guess I'm just... I'm more sad for Chris because I yeah. think, you know, probably he doesn't want to, like, bring in professional help to have her committed or something because then yeah. he'd lose his entire family. She's mm-hmm. all he has. He's trying to take care of her. He's trying to get her attention and just... This just sucks for him. It really does. No. Yeah. That's that's why I I kind of I know you talked about how this is reminds me of I Robot Eugene. I feel like the sadness inherent in the situation amongst the family is the one thing that makes it a notch above that kind of episode. It's still not an episode they feel works fully. It's definitely one of the worst episodes of the season two, possibly of the whole se- series. But I feel like the 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 pathos of that family mm-hmm. elevates it a little bit more for me. I think that, you know, at the the end of our last episode, you said how I Robot you Jane would be better if it had some character moments in mm-hmm. there that would redeem it a little bit. I think that's the only thing that puts this just one notch 
above I Robot You Jane, mm-hmm. is there some cute Giles Jenny stuff? Yeah. yeah. I I like the Cordy Angel Buffy stuff. Mm-hmm. I like Angel Xander Buffy stuff. That's the only thing that redeems this for me. I don't care anything for the main plot of the episode. Yeah. I also just feel like he's not sort of in the way the anointed is not a huge threat. We don't know what his if he has supernatural zombie powers, mm-hmm. but I don't know, it just doesn't seem threatening to me as a whole host of vampires or the other things that we're constantly facing in Sunnydale. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's definitely a smaller scale threat where it's like if, if, even though he somehow gets the upper hand on her in the fight, if she were just to encounter him on the street, it wouldn't be a very yeah. interesting fight. And he's poorly sewn together. You'd think she could just sort of rip off his arms or something. Yeah, just, just pull a string. Just yeah, a pair exactly. of scissors. <laughs> Not even a good pair of scissors, blunt pair of scissors. He could be do fine. it like Angel when he was bad and like beat that guy to death with his own arm. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess the other thing that takes out the tension is the idea that like I, you know, the it's the ticking clock. Like they're trying mm-hmm. to get to Cordy before he kills her and takes off her head, and we were rooting for that to happen. But it's not like it's where do we go? Well, it's it's Chris and Eric. There's only going to be so many places. Mm-hmm. I also kind of wondered, after they got done with this whole episode, what did they do with all the bits that they were using in the body? I mean, that's what I'm saying. You yeah. had to call the cops Somebody had to know point. about it. Or did you so just... These poor well, families... burned down in the science building. Oh, I guess oh, so, right. yeah. yeah. I guess so. you just have to, like, cover up the graves and be yeah. like, I hope they're okay. Although like, I don't know how you explain that this other corpse is also there. That's the corpse of a guy who's been dead for two years. yeah. Yeah, that is a good question. Yeah. Because they obviously, I mean, well, I don't know. Are they just, is that just the old grave and we're just looking at it and nobody know. I mean, also with the fire, I'm assuming there's some sort of investigation into the fire. Would someone yeah. notice a bunch of bodies? Oh, yeah, they, they would. That's yeah. weird. They would. Yeah. I mean, it, there was kind of an accelerant, but not that much. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, you'd have these weird teeth that don't match anybody, any mm-hmm. of the family members' dental records. It's just, a, I mean, for this, for me, this episode was just sort of had some holes and it wasn't mm-hmm. as good as the other ones. And, yeah. Yeah, like you said, we had some cute character moments, but it was sort of a flop, generally speaking. It it feels like a first draft where they they couldn't decide whether they wanted to do this as more of a the mystery of who the villains are or develop the villains as characters. Mm -hmm. And they kind of tried to do both, and neither was really as satisfying as it could have been. I felt like they were sort of just treading water to get Mm -hmm. to the next episode when we get into something much more interesting. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I was looking... Just at the list of episodes, and I realized like the next three are three that are some of my favorites. So I'm really excited. Yeah, season two. Thank you, season two. You guys, we made it through season one. <laughs> did it. Okay, so we can we talked about most of this, but big football game. Daryl is sad watching the players. Okay, wait. Now here was a moment that confused me. Daryl's watching the football game makes him sad. You guys know the Buffy Angel love theme music. Mm-hmm. They always play it at the really good Buffy Angel. Like, it, it's actually called Close Your Eyes. It's by Christoph Beck. Mm-hmm. I was obsessed with this song when I first got into Buffy. They start playing this while Daryl's watching the football game. No, that song is he, sacred. He, he that is reverbed. Yep. <laughs> Apparently. He really wants to love his reanimated bride. I just got really upset. That song means a lot to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe it's just that it's early enough that they weren't as strict about this is the yeah. theme for this thing. Yeah, this is just the they sad just music. Like, we need yeah. wistful music. Do we have mm-hmm. some of that? Great. <laughs> yeah. So he nabs Cordy. Just as Eric and Daryl are about to chop off Cordy's head, Buffy comes to the rescue. 
Buffy and Daryl fight, which takes way too long because so she has so superpowers. Long. Yeah. Yes. And she's an experienced fighter, whereas he's just a, a football lumbering, jack. reanimated corpse. Yeah. His yeah. body should not even move very well. This is like the idea of slow yeah. zombies versus fast zombies. Yeah, he well, goes from being kind of a slow zombie to being a 28 days later zombie all of a sudden. Yeah. In like one scene. Well, he's not a, a zombie, he's a Frankenstein's monster, and I mean, those. Fair. He's still uh, a dead body that's well, moving around on its own. If we're going by strictly the book, Frankenstein <sighs> is like. Uh, the epitome of uh, physical strength and perfection. When he's reanimated, he's smarter and stronger and faster and actually really capable once he stops being, like, horrified that he exists. And <laughs> he's basically, like, an unstoppable <laughs> killing machine. Uh, so if we're going by, like, the, the idea that this is a monster much like Frankenstein's monster traditionally in the books, it, it makes sense that he's he's very strong. Although he still has... So much of the personality of the football jock that it doesn't seem like he'd be... He doesn't seem like he's perfection in any way. Yeah. Okay. I'm seeing your point, though. Yeah. Also, uh, this is a point from earlier, but I've, I've got to mention it. They talk about how he's studly. I don't think he... Even before he's Frankenstein, no, he's no. not that good looking. No, 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 no. He's got kind of potato nose. I'm not into it. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing I want to mention from earlier, too... There's a line that was Eric, the little squirrely guy. Yeah. He says, it's just one lousy girl. And I was like, ooh. Yeah. That's creepily misogynistic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It really, you know, set my feminism vibes on Tingle. Uh, And then uh, another line that really creeps me out, I guess we're just doing the Eric creepy line roundup, um, (laughs) is when uh, he's with Cordy, who's strapped down to the gurney and whatnot. And he says, uh, don't worry, when you wake up, you'll have the body of, seven, of a 17-year-old. In fact, you'll have several. It's just, oh, he's so also, gross. Also, she already had yes. a body of a 17-year-old. Like, not, was, not necessary. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> One of those girls might be a couple months older than her, even. Yeah. Or maybe they didn't take care of themselves as well. We don't know. Yeah, we don't. So Daryl mounts his bride among the gl- growing flames. Oh, they spilled gasoline at some point. Yeah, that was also super convenient. Yeah. So they yeah. had an open gasket. Ga- yeah. To, I guess, power the generator to power the electricity. Okay. Uh, okay. But it's still... Just, that. Also, just still much like, let me pour this gas right before the finale. <laughs> Leave it right here. Make sure you include a shot of it spilling. Mm-hmm. So we assume that Daryl dies in the fire. Yeah. That I think that's my biggest problem with the episode is how lame it is that he's like, I'm not going to kill her, so I guess I'm in love with his headless corpse. <laughs> That's all he's like, got. I, I, I don't know. I feel like it would have been stronger if they just had changed his motivation slightly of, like, we we should die together. We weren't meant meant to be here. Something like that instead of, sure. like, I'm in love with this not-yet-fully-animated headless yeah. corpse. It's more of a self-loathing of the mm-hmm. horror that they have become. Yeah, like, what what have I done? Yeah. And then just go up. Nobody's going to want to toss the football around with me now. Yeah, but not like, <laughs> oh, she's mine. We're going to be together forever. I'm going to kiss you in your neck hole. <laughs> I mean, you don't no. see it, but it I can't really imagine. I'll never what else not you gonna see kiss? it now. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Um, and so he's really into having a girlfriend, and I get it. Like, romance is fun. You know, significant. <laughs> <laughs> you, you and I have very different ideas of what romance is. <laughs> not kissing a neck hole. <laughs> New subject. <laughs> Daryl's whole motivation is to get a girlfriend. He wants to be in love. He wants a companion. And, like, love is great. But wouldn't you think he would also, like, 
want to go upstairs and talk to his mother? One would assume. Well, I think one of the big things that, that's motivating him is he's so ashamed of himself that he doesn't want to be shown. He doesn't want anybody to see him. But and it'd be okay to another Frankenstein because yeah, they'd get it. They're both monsters. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, this is basically kind of like the book, too, where he, yeah. you know, says, make me a companion, mm-hmm. and sh- never happens. Yeah. Angel fesses up to being jealous of Xander. Buffy walks him home, and they hold hands. Oh. I kind of like the role reversal that because his bedtime is dawn, she walks him home. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of nice, cute. Yeah. I also like his line of, uh, I, I saw there was a fire, I figured you'd be here. I, I mean, it's accurate. <laughs> yeah. I would, too. Yes. Yeah. Mike, anything else to say about some assembly required? Um, I must call this I Rewrite You, Jane. <laughs> I mean, no, it's obviously, like we said before, it's episode that doesn't really work. I think it has a little more going for it than an I Rewrite You, Jane. So it's definitely bottom of the barrel, but not the absolute, you know. Dredge. Dredge, yeah. Okay. I watched it after consuming a couple of glasses of wine, and I think that helps. <laughs> oh, yeah. Generally speaking, I agree. I also forgot to mention when we were talking about it, there's a throwaway Cyrano line when Buffy mm. is assisting Giles and his asking out. She's like, just ask if she likes Mexican food. And he's like, oh, thanks, Cyrano. And I, I appreciated that in yeah. my two wine glasses deep sticker. <laughs> it's good. But yeah, other than that, I agree. It's kind of, uh, it seemed like a filler episode. I mean, it, it's def yeah, I think that's a perfect term for it. Almost like they stitched together a bunch of pieces of episodes. Oh, you're getting so deep now. We that just, they it's didn't inception. have a full episode for, so it's their own Franken episode. <laughs> now it's time to celebrate Buffy's badassery with this week's Slay of the Week. Mike, what is your vote for the Sleigh of the Week? Uh, well, another one where there's slim pickings because one of the episodes doesn't have any Buffy kills. Or I'm going to go with any, yeah. any Slays. Yeah. It doesn't have to be by, done by a Slayer. Um, I, but mine will still be by a Slayer because I love how badass it is. Even if the fire effect is a little lame, it's when, uh, at the end of when she was bad, when she takes the torch, breaks it off, stakes one vampire, sets the other one on fire. Nice. It's pretty bad. That was yeah, pretty bad. Again, I liked that, especially since he was rhyming just prior to that yeah. slay, and I was like, "Oh God, shut up!" Just somebody just light this guy on fire, please. So that was probably equal for me, as well as the I, I chose the dummy in the first episode, which was like badass punching it because I was like, "Oh, this is so badass. She's such a badass, even to this wooden dummy." So they were kind of equal in my mind. Okay. Uh, I chose, we didn't actually see the death, I assume it followed, but the cross in the mouth torture. Mm. I mean, it's it's badass to a whole different degree. No. I mean, that, ow. Like, that actually yeah. puts me in pain. Yeah. Like, oh. And not, you don't, like, usually you think of the cross as protection. You don't think of it as an actual weapon. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, uh, Mike, you didn't like in The Harvest that it was it was an accidental weapon. Yeah. So this I thought She's was. like, no, I'm going to shove this down your throat. Yeah, I thought that was creative. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, terrible. That's a word. Plus <laughs> for creativity. So uh, should we go into for- foreign title roundup? Yes. Okay. Sweet. So um, there's some good ones this this week. Uh, so I will go in order because I think the best one is from some assembly required. So we'll start off with when she was bad. There is the uh, French title, the Metamorphosis of Buffy. <laughs> a bit convoluted, but it makes sense. It's very French. I, mean, I could totally see that. <laughs> 
very frowning. I was wearing stripes and smoking a cigarette. I'm like, oh, it's a mental health office. It's above it. It has to be in black and white. Yeah. With voiceover. Yeah. And little title cards. Mimes somewhere. She's eating a croissant. In Portuguese, it's called the comeback. Okay. I mean, she comes back. Summer break is more important in the. It's very literal. In Portuguese culture. In Finnish, the touch of evil. Oh, yeah. that's way better. I mean, yeah. it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I like it. But it's a great title. Isn't that already a movie? I yeah. feel like that's already a movie. I, to me, it sounds like a Lifetime movie about oh. like a kid being touched. Oh, boy. Oh, man. It got dark. It just got Ooh. really dark. Oh. You guys, when you guys were like, I like it. I'm like, what the hell? Because <laughs> well, we didn't immediately we, jump to We didn't to jump that. to bad touch. It was just yeah. <laughs> well, there's evil. evil. Okay. 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 Uh, and then the last one for when she was bad, uh, the German is under the spell of evil. Oh. So, yeah, okay. that one doesn't, because it's not really magic, it's just PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the German term for PTSD, is under the spell I mean, it's evil. probably got 30 letters at least, whatever it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the socks of poison. Um, my apologies to anyone who's German. <laughs> you just said something. <laughs> to be fair, their word for dishwasher is huge. It's Geschirrspulmaschine, and it is ridiculously long. <laughs> I love it. Uh, okay, so then some assembly required. Finish Beyond the Grave. That's kind of fun. Again, something to be more at home in Doctor Who, I think, than Buffy. I feel like that title could be the title for any episode of Buffy. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yep. Um, the uh, Portuguese one is... And this is weird because the ones I found it, I think they have the first part in quotes of, this isn't actually part of the title, but it's assumed as part of the title. Translated into English, it, quotes, needs retouching. <laughs> it totally does, though. Like, yeah, that face yeah. is looking real tanky. Yeah, it needs some, at least some, some foundation on that. <laughs> <laughs> But then my favorite one is the German one, which, first of all, is a huge spoiler for what happens about halfway through. Also, doesn't make any <laughs> sense. The German title for some simply required is Operation Cordelia. What? <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense at all. No. I mean, like, because they go to rescue her at the end. That's the whole climax. Yeah, yeah but like, I mean, yeah. Maybe it's a, a, like a play on words that's the operation to get Cordelia, but then they're going to... Operate on Cordelia? Immediately after you said that, I imagined Cordelia in, like, camo and, exactly. like, a Lieutenant Dan from Forrest Gump helmet and just, like, <laughs> Operation Cordelia. I don't even know what happens in it, but something. And also, just focusing on a weird element of, of the episode where it's like, yeah, yes, she's really, I mean, in, in Operation the, Reanimating Your Brother would yeah. have been a better... Yeah, it's not like Frankenstein was called, hey, that one guy that Frankenstein killed. <laughs> I'm surprised that none of them just call it Frankenstein. Yeah. I will or say I was a teenage Frankenstein. There you go. I will say that that is another redeeming thing about this episode is that it is a classic mm-hmm. monster versus like giant robot death monster. Yeah. Not classic. No, <laughs> like there's, they, it's not one of the universal monsters. Yeah. No. They were checking off their, their Frankenstein box. We have to do an episode that's this monster. It's not the best episode, but we understand we why episode, you do it. Yeah. I kept thinking while I was watching these two, there's some section in this in this episode in Some Assembly Required where she has on the worst, like, purplish nude-colored lipstick that it almost fades into her face. And I just kept thinking about if I knew Sarah Michelle Gellar and we were just hanging out. And I was like, do you ever just watch these and just be like, oh, God, my 90s fashion sense. Because yeah. I can look back at old pictures, but mine aren't, like, on yeah. Netflix for the world to see. Yeah. Right, yeah. It's a lot. I mean, I hadn't watched it in a while, so I was really taken aback by a lot of the 90s fashion. I feel like 
it's interesting that you can. I mean, obviously, as the years go by, you can watch fashion trends change. Mm-hmm. It also seems like they had a different costumer for each season. Like season one, whoever was yeah. costuming Buffy clearly really liked short skirts and big boots. Yeah. And not even like just high boots, but like clunky heel, mm. big ass boots. Yeah. But like season four is a lot of hippie skirts. Yeah. Yeah. And like season two, it seems like, especially from these two, that Willow was constantly doing the overall thing. And so were a lot of background characters. Mm. Oh. I know it's a lot of the overalls. That, was that even a thing? Oh, yeah. I do like Buffy's sad overalls. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> they are, that, they're her depression overalls. She only puts them on when she's super depressed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's like a Zoloft commercial. <laughs> I, I think I maybe just got rid of my last pair of overalls. Like, uh, like a couple months ago. Oh, that's recent. That's more recent than I thought you were going to say. <laughs> and I held it, even though I didn't wear them, like, I think since high school, I held on to them to the, for the longest time because I was like, what if I'm really sad? And you get to put on overalls. <laughs> this is, cl- I don't know, my sad clothes are usually sweatpants. <laughs> I, I feel like think that's, that's my why saddest. a couple months ago I was like, it's like, oh, sweatpants and eating too much pizza. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much me when I'm sad. That was a good impression. That's just me on a Tuesday. That was solid. <laughs> <laughs> or me, you know, anytime I get home from work. <laughs> home is where the pants aren't. Oh. Thank you for tuning in to the Sunnydale Stacks. Please like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sunnydale Stacks to ask us questions or share your own opinions and memories about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher and join us next time when we dust off School Hard and Inca Mummy Girl when we get lost in the Sunnydale Stacks.